my great privilege today to introduce to you those you're holding the bucket. Is it okay? You good? All right. Um, those of you who don't know, uh, my brother-in-law Ed um, and my sister Ingrid, um, they attend another church in Ventura, Irvine. And, uh, but I've asked Ed to come down and share an amazing testimony with you um, because it really ties in with what's already happened this morning, which I didn't know was going to happen, and with the word that I had prepared. So I'm going to ask Ed to come up and share. He's, he's got a phenomenal healing testimony. And uh, he's a great man of God, great husband, and a wonderful father to Corbin. Now, we've got some tissues for you, my friend. He, he, his heart is as big as he is. So uh, if it breaks down, just clap and clap until he gets his voice back, okay? All right. All right. Thank you. Okay. Um, last year in August, I ended up in the hospital with COVID. Uh, made it out. It was a little scary. Asked my wife. She had a rough time with it, but I knew that I was going to walk out. There was no doubt. Um, I was peaceful the whole time. There was no scary, not you know, worried about anything. Just when am I going to go home? So I left there. Now after that, got doctor's appointments. More doctors that I've seen in the last 64 years. So one of them decided that didn't like what they saw in my blood. Okay, no big deal. And then there came, we want to do a biopsy. Okay, well, we'll do a biopsy. This is in December. So I go in for my biopsy, and she goes, come back in a week, we'll have the results. Great. Come back in a week, sit there, we're talking. She says, well, you got cancer. Oh, well, devil, you're a liar. I'm thinking to myself. So she's going on, well, here's what we need to do. Either radiation or remove it. And I said, well, okay. I said, there's a third choice, I'm thinking to myself. So she, I, I mean, right there she wanted to make an appointment for one or the other. I said, no, give me, give me some time. I said, six months. She says, okay, I'll give you six months and come back and do another biopsy and but, you know, it's positive. You know, it doesn't change. I said, okay, that's all right. So now I got to go home and tell my wife. That ain't going to be easy. Um, so as I'm driving, I think, okay, just got done with COVID. Now I got this. Jeez, I'm having a Job moment. <laughs> so I got eight minutes to get home from where my doctor's is. So driving, I'm thinking, okay. I'll get my prayer in now and try to figure out how am I going to tell my wife because I know what's going to happen with her. She's going to want to turn around, go back to the doctors and say, let's make that appointment and do something. So I get home and I explain to her, listen, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. I'm not worried about this. You know, I serve a mighty God. So I tell her, I say, you know, let's just keep this on the download. My first mistake was telling her that because <laughs> the next day I go to work and I'm sure she made a lot of phone calls, even though I asked her not to. But that was okay. You know, I knew that, you know, people were going to be praying for me. And like I said, I'm going to be fine. So 
In January, I started a 21-day fast and naturally knew what I was praying for. Um, I try to keep things to myself because I don't know where other people stand in their faith. You know, we all say, yes, we believe God for everything, but there's times that come that we may get some doubt. Well, I felt at this time, I don't need no doubters. So I didn't say I was going through this alone because I know I wasn't. I know my wife made the phone calls. So I knew there was people out there praying for me. And um, even with her living in my house, there was still doubt in my house. It wasn't coming from me. Like I said, there was doubt. Um, at times, I know she thinks that I was getting short when I said, I'm, being, I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. And, you know, her and Dr. Google spent a lot of time together. So naturally, she's thinking, well, you know, what can I do to fix this? And sweetheart, you can't do anything. It's it's already done. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm I'm gonna be okay. So I got a six months of trying to keep her calm, and I know that when I'm at work, she's just up the walls and making phone calls, and because I'm getting calls from the kids and say, "How you feeling, Dad? <laughs> I feel great. Everything's good." And I know what those calls are from. So anyway, six months go by. Go back to the doctors. Sitting there, and, you know, Ingrid hadn't been there yet, but I said, well, she says, oh, okay. Um, she's got this puzzled look on her face, and I'm thinking, okay, come on. She says, well, I got your results back, and I said, okay, I was expecting that. And she says, the cancer's gone. <laughs> and naturally, first words out of my mouth was praise Jesus. And... To my shock, she said, yes, praise Jesus. <laughs> you know? so, but um, like I said, it was, there was no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, then Ingrid came in, and she heard the news, and you know, she was just, how did that happen? You know, and the doctor says, I don't know. And I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking to myself, you nunny, sweetheart, I told you I got a good God. You know, he's... He's got my back. And I just like I said, I just want to encourage you. Don't, don't have doubt. Doubt is not good. Um, keep the people around you that have the same faith as you and that are you know, going to believe for you and that you are going to be healed. And that's, that's me. I'm, hey, I'm good. I'm here. I don't have to worry. <laughs> and I just say thank you very much. Now, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Love you, brother. Amen. Well, let's stand and pray and we'll get in the word. Father, we depend upon the Holy Spirit that you've given us to bring forth revelation, understanding. Uh, let it flow from me accurately and clearly. And I pray for every person hearing, whether present here or online, that they will grasp the revelation, understanding that comes forth today. And I know that will change their life. So we thank you in advance for what's being done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So thank you for those great testimonies today. It was wonderful and for the move of the Spirit. So my sermon title is Controlling Your World with Your Words. And uh, it's a very timely testimony.
by Ed. Now, we've already discovered over the previous lessons that God releases his power and his authority through words. We've also discovered that he controls, he directs, he creates, and he establishes his purposes and plans on the earth by what he says. He speaks it out. Now, we are currently learning and understanding and discovering how we can operate in the power and authority given to us by Jesus. It is not ours. It comes from Jesus. It's a delegated power and authority given to us and how we can operate in that. So today what we're going to do um, is we're going to learn how we can release the promises of God in our life doing two things, just two things. Now, <clears throat> this Bible contains the words of God. But in this book, it is dormant. I put it down here, put it on the shelf, put it next to my bed stand or on, next to my bed. It is absolutely dormant. It'll do nothing for me. In fact, even just reading this book will do little for you. And today I want you to listen carefully why I'm saying that. Because people go to college and they learn about this book and they come out worse than when they went in. Because Jesus said something along this line, the truth will set you free. But you know, the truth won't set you free until you actually do it. Jesus also said that you need to build your house upon a rock. And he said the ones who build the house upon a rock are the ones who heard the word and then put it into practice. Like Ed, put it into practice. Begin to do it. We call it being a doer of the word. James said that you are a hearer, and if you're a hearer and not a doer, you're self-deceived. It means that you think you're okay because you've heard the Bible, or you've been to church, or you go to church on a regular basis, and you think you're okay. But until you begin to do the Bible, you actually haven't learned anything, and the truth has not been activated in your life. Are you with me so far? Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> what we want to learn, and we've already started this a few weeks ago, I spoke about words. God uses words, and he gave us words to use. We're the only creation, part of the creation that can speak, speak words. So I'm going to tell you two things, two things to activate the promises of God. Number one we have to say it. We have to say it. What am I saying is this. The promises of God are voice activated. Say that with me. The promises of God are voice activated. So we have to say something along the lines of what the scripture says to activate that scripture. To make it come alive. Leaving it in the book doesn't make it happen. You've got to bring it alive. 
Remember this, when God wants something done in the earth, He speaks it out or He asks a person to speak it on His behalf. That's how those words get into the earth. And those how those words move and create and shift, change and bring about God's plans and purposes in the earth in your life. All right? It's a wonderful story, and I'm sure most of you know, about Ezekiel being told to prophesy to a valley of dry bones. How many have heard that story? How many have not heard that story? How many are not going to lift their hands no matter what I ask? Okay. So for those who won't lift their hands, and for those who have not heard the story, let's go to the book of Ezekiel, and it's found in chapter 37, verse 4. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, surely, to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring a flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, a sudden, a suddenly, a, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds. O breathe and breath on these, O breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding, exceedingly great army. Now I don't want to go into the story of what this means and uh, the prophetic meaning. I just want to deal with the fact that God said when we speak God's word. He refers to it as prophecy. You see, he told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. He said, prophesy. And then he gave him something to say. He said, this is what I want you to say to the bones. So God said, when you say what I'm saying, you're prophesying. Thank you, Cindy. <clears throat> let, me show you, let me show you how this how this plays out in your life. You see, there are many voices in your life that are prophesying your future. Fear has a voice. And it's speaking to you and it's prophesying a future for you. Anxiety has a voice. And it's prophesying your future for you. Depression has a voice. And it's speaking to you about how you're feeling, how your emotions, what other people are thinking about you or your circumstances. It has a voice. It has a voice. It's speaking to you, is it not? All right. Um, what about, let's see, fear. I think I've mentioned fear. fear. Here's another one. Hopelessness. No way out. No way out. And you see, whenever you look for a way out or a remedy, there isn't one. So hopelessness keeps saying, you're hopeless. You're helpless. God has forsaken you. God is not helping you. 
You're hearing these voices prophesying to you. But on the other hand, instead of defeat, you could be having victory. You could be hearing success. Ed was speaking victory. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We've got this. We've got this. God has healed me. We've got this. He kept speaking what? Success, victory, healing. He didn't allow the voice of defeat, sickness, fear, and anxiety to dominate his thinking and his mouth. He kept on speaking the word of God. So the question I have for you is this. What, what thoughts are dominating your mind? What are your thoughts prophesying about your future? What are those voices prophesying about your future? And then the most important thing is this. Which are you going to verbalize? You see, thinking it doesn't give life to it. Although it affects you internally, it's when you speak it that you give life to it and it changes your circumstances or causes you to have more of the same, what you're currently going through, because your circumstances are tough, so you speak about it. And the more you speak about it, the more you are having what you already have. And it's getting worse. And when you tell somebody, you say it's getting worse, and then you wonder why it's getting worse. So... Um, to have God's purposes, to have God's plans, and to have God's uh, uh, will come to pass in your life, you must align your words with His promises. Your words must be the same as His promises. You can't counteract His promises and expect His promises to work. You can't negate his promises and think they're going to work. So let me introduce you to the topic of confession. Now, most of you may be familiar with, uh, with confession, especially if you go to churches such as the Catholic Church, where confession is a normal, everyday way of life. But I don't want to talk about confession of sin. You see, confession actually means saying the same thing as saying the same thing as. So when we say the same thing as God says, we're actually confessing the word. We're actually saying what God has said. It's called confession. So your confession will bring about God's word in your life. Your confession must align itself with God's word. Now listen carefully to me irrespective of how you feel or your circumstances. Now, I didn't say this is easy. In fact, it's very difficult to do. Because when you're under pressure of pain, sickness, fear, anxiety, despair, hopelessness, the last thing you want to be is positive. The last thing you want to do is speak out God's word about your situation. You actually would rather 
pray a little prayer, God take care of this. And then if he doesn't respond quickly to the prayer and change your circumstances, then we resort to begging God, crying to God, pleading with God to do something about it. And if we still don't see results, we throw our hands in the air and we say, well, you know, if God wills, if he wants to, he can. And we leave it in that oh-hum attitude. Well, you know, it's just, it's God's will, and uh, we'll see what comes of it. And if it doesn't, then it was his will. And we, we're left in that, in that situation where we're, so, we're just like, okay, did I really pray a prayer? Did God really even hear me? What's going on in my life? Where's God in my situation? And we get consumed in our pain, in our suffering, in the things that we're facing, and that's all we can talk about. So our words don't line up with God's word. We don't line up. So the pro- here's the solution. You see, God gave us the power, and I've been talking about that. He gave us the power and authority to change our circumstances using words. And he gave us, as he said, God expects us to put his words in our mouth, on our lips. And as we heard today from Josh, he made a declaration. He had no work and he made a declaration. Oh my gosh, I have no work. Is that what he said? No, he actually made a declaration. I have work. I have work. Right after his wife prayed. (laughs) So from the book of Ezekiel, we realize that that was a prophecy. He prophesied the future. He made a declaration about the future. He made a confession, as I've just shared with you. He made a confession about it. He spoke it out. So prophesying, declaring, and speaking and confessing are all the same thing particularly when it comes to saying what God said about a situation. It is not a lie to say what God said. If God said, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. It is not a lie for you to say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Even if you feel sick in your body, even if you still have the cancer in your body, because it's not your body that's going to heal you. It's the words that come out of your mouth that line up with God's word. God's word, remember, dormant, doesn't produce the healing that you need. You have to put God's word in your mouth. By his stripes I'm healed. That's what the word says. You align your mouth and your words, and you make that confession, that declaration with the word of God. And what you do is you activate the promise. The promise is voice activated. Are you with me? All right. So now, the second thing we've got to do is we actually have to believe. The first thing we have to speak, the second thing we have to believe. What must I believe? You have to believe two things. 
First of all, you have to believe God. You have to believe God's word. And secondly, you have to believe what you said in point number one. Point number one is you have to speak. Point number two is you have to believe what you said. Let me give you a simple example. You go to pray. People came forward this morning praying for financial breakthrough and healing. Correct? We ministered to you. At that point, when hands were laid and prayers were prayed, you believed you received what prayer was prayed. When you walk out the church, on your way to the car, somebody stops you and says, Oh, I see that you went up for prayer this morning. So what's going on? Well, I've got this terrible financial problem I'm, f- I'm facing. I just don't know how I'm going to deal with it. You know, this and that happened. I lost my job, and I think they're going to come take my car away and everything else. Like, so you just blew your prayer. You blew it. Now you're back out there, and your confession doesn't line up with, you, with your prayer. Now you're looking for sympathy. You see, Ed never looked for sympathy one time. He said, don't tell anybody about this. I'm going to believe God. I don't want to have to deal with doubters. He didn't want to have to talk about the situation to other people and try and explain what's going on in his life. So it's very important that when you prayed that prayer that you go out, then your confession and your declaration lines up with the prayer you prayed. Lines up with the Word of God. Are you with me? So we A, have to believe, the God, believe God's Word, and B, we have to believe what we say. All right. So go to Jesus. Jesus is Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, have faith in God. That's what I said. Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Please notice, Jesus said, Say to the mountain, believe, say what will be done, you'll have what you say. Three times he says you'll have what you say. So Jesus teaches us in this portion of scripture, both things that we need to activate the promises of God. He teaches us, speak it, believe it. Say that with me. Speak it, believe it. Now listen very carefully to what I'm going to say now, because this will affect you forever. What I believe in my heart, and I say with my mouth, is all I'm going to receive or achieve. That's it. Period. Nothing more, nothing less. What I believe in my heart, and I say with my mouth. You say, well, what if God for something? Well, came out of your mouth, number one. Number two, if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter what you ask him. Are you out there? You're going home. God can't give you what you don't believe. In fact, not one single promise of God will work for any person who chooses not to believe it. So, 
Now we find out that not only is God's word voice activated, but it is actually voice and faith activated. There are two parts to it. It's not just speaking. It is believing what you said. But here's the kicker. So is fear. The very thing that we fear, we speak about. And when we speak about it, we speak about it with great emphasis. It is easier to believe that which is negative than that which is positive. I don't know why, but it just is. So, Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Correct? Now, speaking to your mountain, listen to me now, is not prayer. It is a decree. It is a declaration. It is a command. Or it is a demand that the mountain move. Now, some people go, whoa. Are you commanding God to do something? No, sweetheart, listen carefully to what I'm saying. God is not the mountain. I'm talking to the mountain about God. I'm not talking to God about the mountain. I'm talking to the mountain. I am talking to the mountain. So I'm not praying and asking God to move the mountain. I am telling the mountain to move. I'm speaking directly to the mountain. I'm certainly not commanding God to do anything. Do not mischaracterize what's being said. Do not take this out of, uh, out of context. Do not go away and say, well, he was there commanding God. God's a divine bellhop for him. You liar, liar, Pinocchio. <laughs> I never said anything like that. I commanded the mountain. What is that mountain in your life? That financial issue you're dealing with. That cancer you're dealing with. The sickness. That backache. That injury that you're dealing with. Listen. Don't let old age come upon you and yield to it. Don't let everybody... Don't, don't fall in line with the culture... Oops, there was, an old, you know, there was just a moment, just an old age moment. Don't. Don't embrace that. Resist it. Fight against it. Say my youth is being renewed like the eagles. You need to say I have a sound mind. I have a supernatural recall. I remember everything I can hear perfectly in my, and, and it just, you know, I'm, I'm smart as a tech. I'm the sharpest pencil in the box. I'm the brightest color. Whatever. So resist those thoughts. Resist those thoughts. Because those thoughts are prophesying to you. They're prophesying to you. What am I doing when I'm decreeing and I'm prophesying? I'm decreeing the end result that I desire to come to pass. According to God's word, I don't feel healed. I don't see the money in my bank account, but I say God has prospered me. God is prospered me because I've given it is given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shake. I say with my mouth by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. 
I say what's contrary to the circumstances because God has given me power and authority in the name of Jesus to change my circumstances. I don't have to accept what is going on around me as this is it for life. Sorry, sweetie, this is it. No. So Jackie's been <clears throat> suffering for about three months with anemia. Blood counts haywire. So we had to go and see an oncologist. And you know where that's going. So last week we did a bone marrow biopsy. We had to take her down, put her out, go into the bone, the back. What do you think we did when we found out that the anemia existed? We threw our hands in there. We said, oh, God, this is it. Now she has leukemia. She's got bone cancer, right? What else? Well, that was the voice that was prophesying to us. That what was coming loud and clear through the spirit of fear. So what did we do? We told nobody. Except Dr. Chris, who works on her. <clears throat> Cindy, Pastor Cindy. Told nobody. Tell them what's going on. Jackie and I stood in agreement every day. And we spoke to the bone marrow. We command this thing to function. In line with the word of God. You come in line with the word of God. We will not permit this. Even the thought of cancer will not permit it. We bind that thought in Jesus' name. We take authority over the fear. You're not going to dominate us. I'm not going to allow you to prophesy that over us. We reject it in the name of Jesus. Was that easy? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? One of the most difficult things you ever want to do. When you're fighting against something. And that, that fear is coming over you like a blanket. You can't sleep at night. And we spoke to it. And we spoke. We said, it's Jesus' name is normal. Jesus' name is normal. Function normally. We got the results on Thursday. What do you think? Yep, no abnormalities. Nothing to be concerned about. Amen. Miracles, miracles, miracles. See, faith is a force. And when Jackie had that wonderful trip to heaven and was traveling there with God, first, first class cruise around the universe, talking God, showing you all the stuff, everything else was going on. And God told her, I've given you faith as a force. Use it to move your mountains. Use it. Okay? See, David did the same thing. Remember when David fought against Goliath? He did the same thing. And you all know the story, but I'll, I'll pick it up real quick in 1 Samuel 17. Um, in verse 36, David says to King Saul, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord will... The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me. Will deliver me. Will deliver me. Will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, and of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Verse 46. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. 
and I strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army. Never mind just you, Baba. I'm taking out the whole army. To the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered there will know that there is that that is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's. Everybody said the battle is the Lord's. And he will give me into your hands. David spoke to his mountain. And he was a mountain. Goliath. He declared to him what was going to happen. It was a declaration of his faith. He said in advance, this is what's going to happen. He decreed it. He prophesied it. Today you're going down. Who's the Goliath in your life? Tell him, today you're going down. Today I'm taking your head off. Today the birds are going to eat you. Today God is bringing a victory in my life. Because the battle is the Lord's and I'm giving him the authority out of my mouth to bring about victory in my life. Don't let your Goliath scare the snot out of you. Fight right back. Come right back at him and say, hold your horses there, my friend. Don't you know I've got the God of Israel on my side? I've got his word in my heart and my mouth. And I'm coming against you not with swords or with javelins. I'm coming against you with the word of God and it cannot fail. Hallelujah. But you see, it requires that you activate your faith. It's a decision that you make. In these difficult circumstances, you must make the decision, I am going to believe. You get tempted to yield. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, it says that the promise of entering his rest still stands. He said, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But watch this. The message that they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. You see, the message of the word had to be mixed with faith. What I'm saying to you today has to be mixed with faith. You may feel encouraged this morning. You may be a little built up. You may be a little, that's fiery up, let's go out. But listen, by the time you get to your car in the parking lot, the devil has sent the demons and the crows and the birds to try and take the seed out of your heart that was sown in your life today. Listen, you can't tell what's going to happen in life. You may get a flat tire on the way home. Your engine might blow up. Something we go, and you know what the devil's gonna say? See, didn't work. Didn't work. The word of God works. It doesn't matter about the circumstances that are occurring in your life. You will overcome those circumstances by the word. But believing the word of God is a decision. You have to make. It doesn't happen automatically just because you hear a preaching. When you hear the preaching, faith comes, but that doesn't mean that faith is being used. You get excited, you get built up and said, just being a Christian is not a guarantee that you will have, uh, let me just say it this way. Being a Christian is not a guarantee that you believe the whole Bible. Yeah, you see, there are many Christians 
who disbelieve fundamental truths that are in this Bible. Okay? For example, only 40%, only 40% of all pastors believe that Jesus is the only way. A new Barna research came out this week. Only 40% have a worldview. You see, many people don't believe anymore that God is the God of the miraculous, that he still heals today. They don't believe that. But it's, but it's in the Bible. So many people don't believe that the Holy Spirit who started the church is still here. That he's still filling people with himself and operating by the gifts through them. I had a man who was in my church. His name was Ray. I spent an hour with him. I took my Bible school notes and teachings. And I asked him to have his Bible. I said, look in your Bible. Find this scripture on the Holy Spirit. I spent an hour with him going verse by verse by verse, 10 pages of notes. And at the end, he still wouldn't receive the Holy Spirit, still disbelieved, even though his wife had been filled with the Holy Ghost in our church. Boy, I don't know. Any promise that you choose not to believe will not work for you. All right, let me close with this. Uh, we got a little late to the preaching this morning, but we had a good time of ministry. I want to give you three reasons why the Word of God is so powerful, all right? Three reasons. Number one, God's Word are spirit. Number two, God's words are life. And number three, God's words is the sword of the spirit. God's Word is the sword of the spirit. Those three things. This is why the Word of God is so powerful. Jesus said in John 6 and 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So God's words in our mouth are spirit and they give life to the death that's about us like the dead bones. You see, Ezekiel was told to speak out the word that God gave him. Now we have the word God gave us in written form. God hasn't changed his instructions. He's asking you to speak out the word that he gave you. Prophesy the word of God. Because it will be spirit and life coming out of your mouth. Remember this. Words either produce life or death. They're not neutral. So you can fill your words because they're containers with love, with faith. Or with fear and anxiety. You can fill them with depression. You can fill them with defeat. Or with victory. Let me ask you one more question as I close. Let me talk to you a little bit about self-talk. Everybody say self-talk. You know, self-talk is some of the most destructive speech that exists. We abuse ourselves. Literally, you don't need an abuser. We abuse ourselves with the things that we say to ourselves and bring about calamity and sickness and destruction in ourselves. We don't need a devil to condemn us. We do a good job on our own. If something is not working in your life, the devil will whisper, well, because God's mad at you or because you did something wrong, that's why you're not receiving. He's not pleased with you. And we're quick to agree with him. Because we have the poor self-image. 
Don't give voice to those thoughts of self-destruction. Those self-talk words. All right. So the last scripture I want to give you is found in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Jesus said the words that I speak are spirit and life. Now it says, finally be, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame, flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice verse 16, it says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish. It didn't say God can. It said you can. You can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. We're to be strong in the Lord. Why are we to be strong in the Lord? Because we're dealing with demonic spirits that are attacking us. How are we to be strong in the Lord? By put on the whole armor of God. Salvation is not sufficient to quench the arrows of the evil one. He shoots Christians all day for sport. But notice it says the shield of faith is what quenches the fiery darts of the evil one. Every part of the whip, every part of this armor is defensive. It protects you. But the shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the wicked. So what happens if you're not operating with the shield of faith? Those darts are going to get through and you're going to get burnt alive. Do you see that? You're going to get burnt alive. The, the darts are going to get through. If you don't have the shield of faith, the darts are going to get through. So what I've been telling you is how to activate your faith to quench those fiery darts of the evil. We must engage the enemy. How do we engage the enemy? With the sword that comes out of our mouth. The sword of the Holy Spirit. That is the word of God. That the scripture says that is the word of God that comes out of our mouth. If Jesus does, we should. That's how Jesus did it. Why should we think that we should do it another way? Should we do what Jesus did? Follow what Jesus did? Amen? All right, I'll have to stop there. Our time is definitely up. All right, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say this with me. I am having everything I say and believe. So I choose. To speak God's word and prophesy that over my life. Not the devil's words, but God's words in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this word. We believe it's going to find a hiding place in our heart. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to rise to the level that you want us to walk in that authority and that power and change the circumstances in our life, be able to speak to the mountain and our Goliaths in our life and see change come to pass in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 You may stand and I'll have the prayer team come forward in case anybody would like prayer for any reason whatsoever. The ministry team come forward. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, ministry team would like to pray with you. God bless you for coming out. Have a wonderful Memorial Day. Get yourself a good tie. And uh, we will see you tomorrow at the barbecue. And God, have a, God bless you and have a wonderful week. Amen? All right.